Welcome to Season 5, Episode 8 of the Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast. I'm Lola Dada Ali. In this episode, I speak to a business owner dedicated to bettering the lives of people with differently wired brains. Inarm Osborne is a UK-based serial entrepreneur dedicated to serving adults with autism and learning differences. Inarm is the brains behind his latest venture, AutoQuest, a tool used to match companies with neurodivergent job seekers. We talk about how he made the transition from the world of finance to business owner two times over, how AutoQuest came to be, and the role technology plays in the growth of all of it. So, with that in mind, let's get started. Hello, Anarm. Thank you. Thank you so very much for being on the Not Your Mama's Autism podcast. We are so happy to have you here today. So, thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Lola. So, you are... I think the current definition of someone like you in this space is a purpose-driven entrepreneur. Yeah, I think that's correct. I am doing this to try to help um, individuals who need a bit of support in life. As you you know, I started supporting individuals with uh, intellectual disabilities. We call this in England uh, learning disabilities. That's kind of still my work. As you know, I'm now supporting autistic individuals, especially with work and trying to get through job interviews. So how did you first get started? You launched this day center, Senta Co Learning Center? Yeah, that's right. I used to work in finance for many years in London. About 2001, I was thinking to myself, this really isn't enough for me. I'm not that interested in, in the job I'm doing. Kind of a bit of a rat race. So what happened was about that period or Christmas during that time, I got a bonus and I just gave up my job. I thought there's got to be more to life than this. I kind of lived off my bonus for two or three months. And then I thought, right, let's start afresh. What, what should I do? And I really was just looking at what's out there, what was possible. I looked at a new local newspaper and there was a big section on care jobs. Most were uh, looking after the elderly which I couldn't really see myself doing at that time. But then I, I stumbled upon a, an advert for a support worker for the, for the uh, intellectual disability clients. And I thought, well, that's completely out of my comfort zone. And I thought, well, let, let's, let's explore it. I'm a big believer in you know, exploring opportunities, curiosity. I think there's a, a lady uh, called Erica Darwan who wrote a good book. Um, it's about having curiosity and courage to connect to different kind of things, people, places, projects. So I did it then and I I haven't really looked back. I got a job with a company. Also at the same time to supplement the income, I did like a Meals on Wheels job, like completely opposite to what I was doing before, just going to people's houses, delivering meals. And it couldn't be further from from what I did before, which was London, you know, know, so much hustle and bustle in London and then driving into the Kent countryside in England. So houses delivering meals. So I did these two jobs, but then an opportunity came up in 2009 where the main day centre where I live in Medway, Kent, England, was closed because the whole process was privatised. So 
effectively they gave the clients or service users, we call them clients, the money, and then they could then spend the money on private providers. So I set up my own day center then, and we've been going pretty well. We're expanding all the time. Also, we kind of found a niche, which is I tend to support the better able clients who weren't really being catered for very much before. I saw a lot of like going to like libraries and shops and things, but not enough doing things they really wanted to do. So I kind of found a bit of a niche where I was kind of supporting and socializing better able clients. And uh, yeah, it's gone. I think I probably have tried to innovate support in a way, raise the bar. Bizarrely, there's a lot of this trio of bowling, bingo, and and just going out and doing things that they, sorry, I've stumbled there. <laughs> I think what you were getting at was that you were trying to show how you created yourself, how you presented yourself as a difference maker within an industry that had become somewhat mundane and maybe not very challenging for the clients, maybe based on an antiquated way upon which society viewed people with disabilities. Yeah, exactly. So I think you've got a very calming voice, Lola, so you kind of really (laughs) calm people down. Um, It will come back to me the third of the trio, I'm sure. But yeah, it's just about, actually, I know what it was. It was arts and crafts. Uh, So bowling, bingo, arts and crafts seem to be the trio that a lot of people think learning disabled people should be doing. And that's true for a section of them, to be honest, but found this kind of group of clients needed a bit more to be engaged. So what we do is we kind of raise the bar in terms of what they do. So for example, if they think it is just bowling, bingo, nuts and crafts, they'll kind of go down to that level and kind of think that's that's it. It really is that for me. But if you kind of raise the bar and make it higher, so you can do computing, you can follow what's going on in the world. You can learn history, geography. You you go up to that level. So it's all about kind of raising the bar. I've also seen clients in other settings where they've kind of had that look on their face where, you know, do you want to go bowling? And they kind of say yes, but you kind of look in their faces. You can just see it on their faces. They don't really want to do that, but it's kind of a a kind of powerlessness that they have um, that I saw that I kind of recognized. And I thought these, these, these clients, these, people feel powerless so you need to give them choices you don't necessarily have to give them a program to to follow like a set program every day of the week you need to ask them as we do in our lives what what do you want to do let's have a democratic kind of vote on it it was a case really of of kind of making it a little bit more grown up and also I saw other other settings where you had a too wide a spectrum of client you had profoundly learning disabled and physically disabled clients and really much more capable clients. And you could see them turning up at other settings, almost looking at each other, thinking, what are you doing here? And the other one says, I don't know, what are you doing here? It's too wide a spectrum. So we kind of found a niche and provide a kind of support for this niche group of better able clients. Do you want to do a bit more? And then what I did was I expanded on my day center. We, we get good referrals from the local authority and um, it's going, going quite well. From finance to launching a day center for adults with disabilities. That's a book in itself. So suggestion. I feel like that's a book in itself. But let's let's connect the two. As you were launching, as you continue to run this business, as you've launched the second chapter of your entrepreneurial journey going into the technology space, 
What are some of the lessons learned? And do you think your finance background has helped you in your current, the current iteration of your life? I think one of the main things was I, I don't want to work in an office again. It's like, it doesn't have to be like that, you know? So I think that's one of the thoughts that always, always kind of comes to me. Just running my own business actually is like, I get a kind of a kick out of it. I think it's because it's kind of a bit of a fear of failure kind of drives you. And you think, well, I, I, know I can't do that. Nevertheless, running your own business and being your own sort of master does appeal to me. And that's the opposite of what it was like in my, in my other jobs. You were really working for somebody. And also, to be honest with you, people were doing projects that just pleased their managers. They didn't necessarily do them because they were really adding value to the company. So it's all a little bit like pointless stuff. And this is like very engaged support of people you're really making a difference to people's lives um, and also the the meals on wheels job delivering food to the elderly that that focuses the mind and it, it made you know it makes you think that you know one day I'm going to be older you, you see it you're faced with it every day you know one day you might not be able to turn yourself in bed so it kind of made me think you know while we've got options and we haven't run out of options we should use them and kind of to the best of our ability and and just kind of be engaged and and kind of do something. Another one of my sort of philosophies is about doing and being. And a lot of people think about the being, which is like all the R, which is like you're going to earn money. You want to earn lots of money. But the question is, but doing what? So you kind of focus on the doing, doing something that adds value to people and the money will come because if it's worth anything, people will pay you for it. I'm kind of very much focused on doing and adding value to people's lives. Like I said, it's kind of a world away from the office work. But on, on the other hand, you know, that, that, that served a purpose at the time, not, not knocking it completely. But I'd say to anybody, um, always consider starting your own business if you can. I love how you put that. You basically said you should do as much as you can while you're in the phase that you're in because you don't know what can happen tomorrow because there's a lot of people who think they have more time than they have, right? We have a good family friend who I'm going to quote. He said at his 40th birthday party, his goal in life is to have more memories than regrets. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like you are definitely on your way for more memories than regrets. So with that in mind, let's move into the tech space and talk about auto. So how did that idea come about? Centico Day Center is, was going very nicely. But about three years ago, I, I decided that it wasn't going to be enough for me to, to just do the day center. I felt I had a little bit more in me to do something alongside it in parallel. And what I did was I focused on a group of clients that probably don't wouldn't go to my day center. These are better able autistic individuals. And, and really, the real world challenges that they face, uh, face are immense jobs, housing, health, even getting health care. So many misunderstandings there. So I thought AutiQuest, which is, uh, we say aut- autism, um, I think you guys say art- artism. We say tomato. You say, tom- say tomato. We also say, by the way, reasonable adjustments for people at work. I think you say more accommodations, I think. Yeah, well, accommodations is what we use over here on this side of the pond, yeah. Yeah. So um, I um, I thought that the, I identified a problem, which was 
getting over the job interview hurdle. There are so many barriers to employment for autistic people from the job, even the application stage and looking at adverts is actually the start of it. Then the interview, then actually working at a place, then staying somewhere. So I started with one problem and I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, see if there's an app for this and there was nothing there were there are a lot of apps for interview tips for for the general population there are a lot of apps for autistic people for like diagnosis or games or things but there's no app to help autistic people kind of get through jobs so sorry get through interviews so right, I'm going to do this now and I, I did a lot of research with uh, autistic people that, that I know or know of who were willing to help me and we kind of identified all, all the areas that um, are of difficulty, for example, disclosing, phone screening, panel interviews, group interviews, dress, body language, eye contact, speaking, small talk, questions to expect and how to answer them, selling yourself, could go on even more, you know, information overload and sensory overload, anxiety, meltdown, just so many things. So the app contains a about 100,000 words of information and tips for such things. But it also isn't just that, because you could really get a book for that. We also have like a linear checklist, which autistic people can um, use, prepare themselves for the interview. So, for example, like 10 days before the interview, certain things they need to do, and then a week before, five days before. Even things like putting your clothes out the day before. We kind of say... Reduce what's new on the day, you know, what you can reduce on the day that's new is great because you're going to have overload on the day. Even do like a trial run to the interview venue so you can maybe check if there's an intercom because if that's on the day you're faced with that, you're going to be possibly a little bit stumped. Uh, Lots of tips about these things, checklists. It has like lists of um, common strengths of autistic individuals. We try not to be too generalising or stereotypical stereotypical we we try to stress that this is kind of these are generalities you may have some of these but we've listed 131 so far weaknesses you could say that sometimes there may be a weakness that you have but we always say in the app we guide people to to try and turn these down to kind of a strength so you could say i'm obsessed with detail you could say that's a weakness but it's not really so the app has kind of those lists and also helping people match their competences to jobs for example i um say that you know don't just say all your skills don't kind of just go into an interview just to say all the skills you have try to match your competences with the competence required for the job so actually identify the competences required and then match what you have in terms of competences so you're kind of joining the dots for them uh, and you're making it easy for them the app also has like uh, audio uh, resources and calming sounds. We we researched and found that running water was quite popular. We have like a meditation kind of track as well. So we got a, a, a friend of mine in London, a composer, made five tracks for me. We tried to make the app like have the wow factor. I think it was Steve Jobs who said, when you release a product, kind of make it have the Sistine Chapel's worth of quality. And I kind of tried to at least be that to do that we we got an app developer in england to to start us off and they used uh coders in in the far east and we did a great job in getting it started so you touched upon how the app helps the interviewees and that's 
very important. Um, but before I go into a little more detail as to more examples of how that's done, how does this also help the interviewers? Maybe those that are not as exposed to the world of neurodivergence, how does the app help them? There's a 10,000 word section for interviewers. We, we had to make sure that that went in there. And what we do, first of all, is explain what auto- autism is and what neurodiversity is. We explain typical situation where an autistic person isn't getting work, they're struggling with interviews, and they're just literally, their mental health is going down. So we try to, to get them in touch with what the situation is, explain how autistic people may present in an interview, and why that would be for example, maybe stimming or some sort of masking, taking uh, literally the questions that are asked. We, we, we start to try and explain to them that if you can make some simple changes, which probably would, would require a disclosure of the, of the interviewee, you can make things so much easier. And the, the aim is to, to get the best out of your interviewee because they can be superstars when they actually do get employed. We say things like sometimes we have interviewers who, who discount an, an autistic person because their social kind of repartee is awkward. But we say, but if the job's got nothing to do with that, so it may be data processing or something, why would you reject them because of that? It's got nothing to do with the job. We also advise about um, questions that are asked. Even if you can supply the questions in advance, this would require disclosure by the autistic person, but you could give the questions in advance so that the autistic person isn't stumped because too much new information is like a a conveyor belt going too quickly for them. And we say, if you imagine that, then you can understand why you've got to give information in chunks or in advance. We also use the freeway, motorway or freeway analogy, which which helps companies and interviewers understand, which is on a motorway or freeway, you have signs which give well in advance what's going to happen. You're going to take a slip road in a mile or you're going to, the roads are going to kind of diverge here or motorway ends in like two miles. We, we say, if you, and also like slip roads kind of curve around, like inertia, slow movements, nothing sudden. So we kind of get the, the freeway analogy and it does often hit home. But yes, yeah, so we say things like avoid asking hypothetical questions. The, the awful one that often is at the beginning is the tell me about yourself. So we'll explain to an interviewer, this is very non-specific. Autistic people generally like parameters and context. So you would probably think about rephrasing that, you know, how, how are you feeling today or how was your journey? So rephrasing questions, avoiding hypotheticals, like if you were doing this, what would you do? That's, that's a little bit cruel for an autistic person. And also the ridiculous hypotheticals, like if you know, if you were an animal, what would you be? <laughs> I mean, that's that's always a bit silly, but for an autistic person, it's just kind of ridiculous. And the small talk at the beginning, we also say small talk is about kind of getting a connection established before getting to content, whereas we say autistic people generally like to get to content faster. They want to get to content. So there's all sorts of things, speaking, asking one question at a time, avoid hypotheticals, multiple layered questions like layered like two or three questions in one go it's just the processing the 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 sort of executive functional processing of an autistic person generally and there are exceptions 
find that a bit tricky. Um, and also we can talk about the environment. You can you can mention about um, well, a basic thing, have a, a meeting in progress sign on the door. Sometimes what happens is there may be a door that's left open, people walking past in the corridor, and your artistic interviewee is going to be waiting for the next interruption to happen or the noise. So we say, you know, put a put a, a sign on the door. We know like fluorescent lighting is a bit of a stereotype, but that can be a problem. Even things like the new furniture, can, the chemicals can be can be a problem. So we we kind of ask the interviewers to to think about a lot of things. A lot of them are quite surprised when they hear this for the first time, but but they kind of once they once they've got it, it's funny, but they can be very very kind of keen keen to get on with this and change change what they're doing. So you've mentioned several times, and it's something I mentioned on the podcast is that just like any other group, any other marginalized group, no, no one is a monolith. So when you've met one, as the old adage goes, when you've met one person on the autism spectrum, you've literally met one person. So walk us through the development um, progress. Can't talk today. Walk Mm -hmm. us through the development process and let us know who the stakeholders were as you were developing the content needed to launch your app. AltiQuest, by the, by the way, is the name of, of this company. It's capital A, capital Q. We've involved autistic people throughout, and some of my own clients have autistic traits. One of them actually is really interesting because he's the first guy I pick up in a minibus, and he remembers the diary, everything I'm doing, and he gets into the minibus, the first, the first person, and he says to me, right, we know who's off today, don't we? <laughs> And I, I think I can't remember. And he'll say, well, Phil's off. He's on holiday. So you're down to like eight people, aren't you? I'm thinking, yes, you, you must be right. The other side to that, though, is he, he with the sensory overload um, kind of situation, he, he does, it's a bit of a curse in a way because he takes in too much from the, from the environment. So he will say to me, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a, a broken down car half a mile away. And that's, you know, and, that's interesting, but also it means that he's he's spending a lot of energy taking in too much. So that's another side to it. I think it's because of like the I think I've, I've read that the there's an excess of brain synapses when your brain is developing. You kind of overshoot production later on. I think when you're about nine or ten, I think you start to prune back to to refine things. But with autistic autistic individuals, they apparently don't prune back so much so that's why there's a lot of over processing going on coming back to your to question um what we're going to be doing very soon is starting the AltiQuest steering group which should be a little group of, of people who won't be people i necessarily know who are going to help us with the direction and kind of steer us with our activities and that's i've got a couple of people who are who are interested in that because i think really you must include autistic people in, in what you're doing also we we are we're not a non-profit. We are a limited company, profit-making company, but we we donate and we're going to continue to donate to, to autism courses more and more as time goes on. So I think the idea is to, to involve autistic people. To, to Most are willing to really help us. I have one guy who I, I pay to, to help with interviews in, in London to train interviewers, that they should be involved. And that, that's what we, you know, we intend to do and are doing. This is gaining traction. I mean, clearly, 
you have notable organizations like the University of Bath recommending this app. How do you see this app being applied across the employee life cycle? So not just at the interview onboarding process, but throughout to help support the employees. AutiQuest is got the mission is to help autistic individuals with the real world challenges they face. I found that if you do a search for autism on Google search, it's all toddlers. Now, children and toddlers need support. Their parents need support. But you, you rarely see an autistic adult, it's really 16 plus, in those images. You can search those on, on the internet. And the sort of infantilization of autism is quite bizarre. And I still don't understand it. I kind of feel for, the, for these young adults who kind of fall off a cliff when they kind of leave college, uh, when they try to get jobs and, you know, the, the building bricks and the, the hand, paint, hand painting and all that, it's not going to help them at all. So children need support, but these adults need a lot of help. So, yeah, AutiQuest is focused initially on, on work and employment. And part of the first part was the job interview. But we now want to have like two more things to do on, that, on, on the job thing, which is job link which is to link autistic job seekers with companies seeking to recruit them. And I have to say, JP Morgan Chase are doing a great job. I've read about that in the States, Autism at Work program and Desk program, and they really do stand out. I think they they also make upfront investments in this. So it's really good what what, what you're doing. So, yeah, so um, JobLink started because I was also getting uh, emails from autistic people saying they wanted to get a job companies saying I want to employ or at least include an autistic person in my recruitment process so we thought well we do need to start something so it's a very very basic uh, thing at the moment um, of ours but job link is kind of the second thing and then of course the third thing is right you've got them a job what what can you do to support them in work so that's where we go on to like on-job support for both the company or manager and the autistic person so what accommodations are required, assistive technology, what's available, even saying things to managers like if an autistic person you know, says I'm autistic, they may refer them to HR or something. What they should say is what do you need right now? What would help you right now? So a lot of these kind of ways of thinking of things that they probably aren't used to could go on a lot about this but for example sitting probably in a corner is preferable because it's less likely somebody's going to take you by surprise. Also, we, 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 we realised that resumes or CVs or resumes of autistic um, people can be a little bit, be full of kind of short assignments, maybe a year here, a year there, two months or three months off between jobs. And this doesn't help them at all in a job interview. So we're going to, to try and develop a sort of a skills profile, which takes them away from the traditional resume. Because how do you explain to a, in an interview that you left the job because the manager changed from one that gave you directions in, in writing, instructions in writing, to one who barked instructions at you. And then you had to have two months off because you had a meltdown. So resumes do not work well for, for autistic individuals. So we're, we're going to try and sort that out. Um, and in fact, uh, one of the universities is going to give me an autistic intern to, to help me with that. Also, we 
coming off the, the job side, enable the person to organize their interviews quite nicely. And this kind of helps with the executive function um, challenges. So we are going to expand on that and kind of make a, a project called um, AutiQuest Assistant, which should be to help people, autistic people, organize themselves and prioritize things better. Maybe to do, maybe initially with work, but possibly in other areas of their lives. So, so that's, a, that's another thing that we're going to expand on. And also, we're kind of like Columbo. We kind of go where the evidence takes us. And uh, we, um, we found that um, people kind of were interested in kind of screens they could show and share. So we've got 36 of these in the app. And that wasn't an initial um, main kind of goal of us, but, but it came up time and time again. So the app's actually got a dual purpose. It's yeah, all about job interviews and, and helping you through that. But there are screens that can help you with your in your personal life. For example, when you if you're living somewhere and you want to time out, or you I want to go non-verbal, I'm pretty overwhelmed right now. Or if you're in a, a public place and you're having a meltdown, you there's another screen that, that says, you know, um, uh, I may seem a little bit sort of um, scary to you, but I'm actually very vulnerable. And can you find somebody who understands autism? We're also there's an ability to to enter information in there, so you can enter. What it feels like to have a, a meltdown, probably record a, a message beforehand about what you'd like to play to somebody if you're having a meltdown. So the app kind of got a bit of a dual use there as well. So we may expand it even more on that. But yeah, at the moment, coming back to your question, yeah, it's mainly about job interview barrier, linking up employers and in, uh, autistic people, and then keeping them in that job with on-job support and assistive tech. What do you hope your legacy is? Well, I kind of think that I've innovated support, intellectual disability support, that, that group of clients. I think I have kind of innovated that a bit, at least locally anyway. If all you can affect is the people around you, that's really enough, really. I'm probably not going to change the world, but I do think I can... I think I'm starting to innovate autism support in my own little way. I'm kind of looking, my attention's turned to that now. And there's so much that can be done. So to to kind of um, help autistic individuals really kind of sort of progress in the world as they should be. Also things that I want to do with autistic people is to, to go beyond just a group of diverse people to diversity within autism, personalization, of products, customization, I think that's the way forward, wearables, tools that can help them. So I guess I'd like to be somebody who who created tools that were were useful for autistic people. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please share, subscribe, and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. If you're interested in how our podcast came to be, please check out season one of this podcast in its entirety. If you're interested in our story in written form, check out a series of articles I wrote for psychcentral.com titled The Caregiver's Chronicles. As always, we thank you for your support. Until next time. Not Your Mama's Autism podcast is hosted and written by my mom, Lola Dada Ali, and it's also co-written 
and produced by me, Felal. My dad, little sister Alero, and I are all occasional contributors. My dad, Tosinali, also helps produce sometimes. Big thanks to my aunt, Wolani Williams-Ali, who did our graphic design. See you guys soon.